Hello, and welcome to episode 22 of the Physique Development Podcast, a podcast bringing you structured Q&As, deep dives on single topics, and an inside look at our team. In today's episode, we are back with another installment of the Muscle Group series. In this series, we take a deep dive on specific muscles each episode. You will learn the function of a specific muscle, common training mistakes, misconceptions about the muscle group, our go-to exercises and why we program them for our clients, and some key execution cues to nail your technique. Today's episode will cover the chest. So we are going to be going over the function of the chest and learning a little bit more there. And just a side note here, we're not exhausting these explanations and anatomical structures. We are doing our best to give you the tools for better understanding of the anatomy or training within a given training session. So Alex, why don't you go ahead and kick it off on talk about the function of the muscle. Thank you, Sue. We are discussing the the chest today. And with the chest, just as we spoke about in episode 19, like the lat, it is going to be a fan-shaped muscle. So we're going to have many, uh, well, three specifically, originating positions of the tissue itself. So the majority of the pec fibers are going to attach on the sternum. So that that hard bone right in the middle of your chest, you, you know, I'm clanking on it right now, <laughs> if you're watching. Um, a, a majority of those fibers are going to attach there. You're also going to have a division of the pec that is going to uh, attach on the clavicle. Um, and then you're also going to have the uh, lower portion uh, of the pec. And these are going to run at kind of a, a 45 degree angle from the joint uh, downward. Um, and these are going to technically uh, attach on the uh anterior portion of the um, abdominal sheath right? that has nothing to do with or I mean that has no bearing on you specifically <laughs> but to, to give you the the specifics on that front uh, is the um, anatomical truth I suppose and then it's going to um, insert on the the upper portion of the humerus so again this is going to be from a functionality perspective something that we are adducting um, and, and trying to bring the arm towards the sternum or, or towards your your midline of your body is going to be the action that we're really focusing on um, and then within this within the functionality of things we just talked about the um the originating positions of the pec themselves. Thus, in our planes of motion, this gives us the ability to understand, okay, if I'm wanting to target or greater bias these specific fibers, I want to work in the plane that is going to align with them. And so when we think of this, am I getting too far ahead of myself here? No. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so when we're thinking about this, we want to think of uh, taking that humerus and then going in alignment with the fibers that we are wanting to target. So if we are targeting those clavicular fibers, okay, I want to work in kind of a 45 to, to 60 degree angle in a vertical plane to allow for me to get those two points of contact as close together as possible, taking them through a, a full contractile range. And the same goes for the sternal fibers as I'm bringing that across my chest. And then if I am working for those <laughs> those costal is what we're going to call them to make this a little bit easier. And, and I believe N1 Education has, has coined that specific term for those specific fibers. And those, as I spoke on, being a 45 degree angle downward, now we're going to be working in that plane as well. Um, so those are kind of just the, the basic functionalities, I suppose, of, of the PEC itself. Yeah. And like he talked about it with being fan shaped like the lats, that basically means that it's going to be converging and have those three point, points of urgent 
origin. Um, and it's something that it requires varying angles, like he just talked about to be able to train it. So it's really great with chest. It's not just show oh, I'm training my chest, you can really break down those three different divisions of the chest target what you need to personally target and be able to get your most bang for your buck from that um, within your training. So yeah, and I think that um, within chest training, this is a, a favorite of, of mine personally, where um, as I was I was growing up playing baseball, I played uh, baseball into college, and it was very frowned upon to to train chest at that point. It was putting your shoulders at risk, and now being uh, someone who is, is practicing in the field, I realized how silly that advice <laughs> uh, was, but at the time, it was something that I avoided, and then now as I uh, am past my time playing baseball, I'm training chess more. It's something that I am, I would say the, the greatest strength strides I've seen because it's just tissue that I haven't trained as abundantly as, as other tissue uh, across my body. Um, so it's, it's one that I have invested heavily in from my own training um, and have had a lot of success and, and a lot of fun you know, training the tissue. Yeah. And Alex is famous for calling, previously calling himself bird chested. Um, I know when we first met, that was one thing where he always was like, I have a bird chest, I have a bird chest, I need to be able to grow this. Um, so I think part of his joy from it comes from it being something that was a lagging muscle group because of that scenario he just gave, and now really wanting to see it come up and not having that training and realizing how much he enjoyed it. Um, and I'll speak for myself here in regards to chest training was not not something I avoided previously, but it was something that I was cautious of because I didn't fully understand chest training and how it could benefit me. Um, so I did want to kind of sidestep to that, if you're good with that, um, about what that looks like for why it's beneficial to train your chest. And then we'll get into a little bit more um, as far as the different divisions. But when we're looking at the chest, one aspect is going to be it is a large muscle group. We a lot of times, especially speaking towards females, um, they shy away from training chest. They don't want to have these huge pecs. Um, but it is something where not only is it a huge muscle group, so you're, you're burning a lot of calories while training it. I know that speaks to some people mindset. Um, but it's also something when you're looking at front to back, and we've talked about this before, you want to have enough muscle in those um, positions. Like if you are training if you don't train your chest at all, and you'll probably still be getting some secondary volume to a certain degree, then that's putting you at cause for injury and cause for um, just issues with development and movement patterns within your back. So you want to think about what that looks like anteriorly to posteriorly of the benefit of being able to have chest in play. So outside of it burning calories, as well as helping with your, your posture and making sure you're not having difficulties within other training aspects. It's also something as a female that can really add to your look. Um, I can speak to when I was personally bird chested as well. Um, and being able to have more chest training under my belt, um, and being able to see a much better look to my physique. And this isn't just saying for physique athletes out there, if you are a competitor, um, I highly urge you to train your chest. Um, I 
I cannot speak enough about females training their chest. Um, but it's also something for just an everyday gym goer. You want to make sure that you can train as long as possible, not within a single session. We don't need to have six hour long sessions, but train as long as possible throughout your life while mitigating any kind of injury um, and being able to have that full look that people are wanting. Um, so we've also talked about it before that there is a difference between um, a biasing a muscle group and trying to grow that versus having maintenance volume in that. So if you're not wanting to grow and have a huge chest and make it a huge focus, you don't have to, but we would highly encourage you to still train your chest to some degree. Um, so there is a lot of importance to training um, the different muscle groups. If you have anything else you want to add in for the importance of training chest. I think that the, the functionality aspect that Sue touched on was, was sufficient and, um, we can, we can dig into kind of the, the application of how we use this within clients, how we, uh, implement it kind of just, uh, sidestepping from, from what you just touched on and then get into some of the, the mistakes that we see uh, from there and some of our go-tos. Perfect. Um, from a, an application perspective within, within clients. So, uh, within male athletes, um, lifestyle, competitor, what have you, uh, things that we look for on that front is going to be, we already talked about the differing divisions that we can bias within the chest. And so when we look at um, different poses, so if it's just a, a front relaxed or something of that nature, it's going to be very abundant to us of, okay, are we lacking some of these clavicular uh, fibers in terms of overall density? Do we have very well developed sternal fibers or, or those costal fibers that we spoke on? So at that point, now we can greater bias some of our um, volume as a whole towards the specific division that we are needing to bring up from an aesthetic perspective. From a functionality perspective, if we are just focusing on like powerlifting or something of that nature, well, we're just trying to get better at um, the, the bench press or the barbell bench press. And so we still want to have adequate fiber recruitment within that movement specifically, but from an aesthetic perspective, which is a very large majority of our clientele, whether it be a competitor or lifestyle, just wanting to look better, um, it's going to give you a more complete and, and shelf look. If, if I mean, oftentimes for males specifically and females alike, the clavicular fibers are going to be the fibers that they lack the most in part for a couple of different things. I would say, um, if I had to, to say one specific is that there's not, it's not the, uh, fibers that are just organically kind of touched on when you're doing, you know, the general movements of dumbbell flat bench press, uh, like a regular cable fly or a, a machine peck fly, something of that nature where you're targeting a lot of sternal and potentially some of those costal fibers depending on setup. So I think that oftentimes majority of people are, are lacking in those clavicular fibers specifically. Yeah. Um, and one other thing I wanted to say in regards to training is that we do have um, a lot of people come to us who might have breast augmentations. Of course, if you have just gotten a breast augmentation and you're in recovery, we're not going to have excessive chest training or training in general as you're going through recovery. But let's say that you've had the implants, you're recovered, you're good to go. In that regard, um, there might be some agitation within chest training. And being able to vocalize that to your coach or be aware of what that feels like um, is going to be very helpful. So it's something that if your breast implants are under the muscle, the, that costal fiber is pretty hard and it might aggravate you to train. So it is something where there are going to be a few, um, limitations, limitations and a few, uh, changes or, uh, just 
yeah, limitations that you will have within training chest um, and not being able to look at that of like, oh, I have to do everything specifically and I have to train every single fiber. It's going to be so individualized um, in specifically when it comes to breast implantations of what that looks like. <laughs> Implantations? Yeah, as I said, it <laughs> sounded wrong, but um, implants in general. Um, and another thing in regards to talking about different body structures is it's also going to depend on your structural characteristics. So how large your rib cage is, what it looks like for your sternum and your shoulder joint um, or your shoulder girdle as a whole is also going to influence the um, arm path and angle that you're going at. So know that when we talk about these um, angles and when we talk about different ways that you can move your arm, if you're still having problems with recruitment, there might be one that you just need to keep going after it. You might not be able to recruit those muscles the first time you try, even if your form is right. But it's also something that you might have to slightly change it in regards to how your body structure is and being able to make sure that those angles make sense in regards to um, how your body structure is. Yes. And something else that we run into with, with clients, um, is that with some of the female competitors specifically where they are, uh, told from the, the judging panel that, Hey, you need to bring up your delts. And then you, they go into their off season and all they do is try and, and train their delts, which, um, is, uh, fine, I suppose. But the, the, <laughs> the main thing is that they're not, they don't have the supporting tissue to really grow their, their delts. They don't have these larger muscle groups that are going to be surrounding the shoulder joint, the, the, the pec and, and the upper back, all the musculature that's involved there to allow for stability to transpire, to allow for those delts to really grow and, and to be put under large loads. And, and not even to mention the malfunction that's going on, um, within the uh, body structure as a whole through movement and, and things of that nature. So when, if you are getting that feedback um, from a judging panel or you uh, as just a, a lifestyle individual want to grow your delts, fantastic bias, a good bit of your volume towards delts, but at the same time, you still have to have at least some maintenance volume in place for the chest and, and for the upper back to, to work because we, we still need that tissue to be functioning at a, at a high rate to allow for us to actually grow the delts as a whole. Yeah. And to talk about that specifically, um, I bet people would be surprised to see how much chest volume is truly in my training. Um, if you didn't know, Alex writes my training and I do compete. Um, and it's something that I was given the feedback that I need more upper body tissue and specifically in my delts. And you would think we would just hammer out delts and just be delts all the time, delts all day, delts, delts, delts. But it's actually not been an excessive overload of delts. It's been an even keel um, of chest and delts and upper back and being able to have that in place. And even from my uh, second season competing to my third season competing, that was when we probably had the most emphasis on chest. And we saw amazing strides in regards to how my physique looked. Um, it's kind of the, the concept, if it's easier for your, your mentality to connect it, of to get that small waist, you also want to make sure your back is built up. It's a similar concept and be able to show off your delts and make your upper body look the way that it needs to being able to have that chest training in place. It's given me much more fullness up top. It's given me a better taper. It's given me um, more muscle to be able to 
grow more muscle on my shoulders, just as Alex has talked about. So um, it's something that has completely changed my physique. And we've even been still working on chest going into my fourth season competing. Um, and we're still seeing strides forward of how that looks as my physique as a whole. Um, and it's pretty hard. I It's uh, females will say they don't want to train chest because they're not really wanting pecs. Um, but when you think about muscle building uh, in general, you know how hard it is to build muscle. So it's not like all of a sudden you're going to pop out a pec and it's going to be a carved out pec over your boob. Now you will see some, um, I guess I should say breast or something to be <laughs> a little bit more professional. Of course, when you see the competitors going into the larger divisions of looking at figure and physique and women's bodybuilding, you might see that and you might see that especially if they have implants of seeing the pec and the implant but specifically for someone who is lifestyle or bikini you're really not going to see that carved out in that way so it's not something i would fear um, if you're fearing training chest yeah and also with those larger divisions such as figure and and uh, women's physique those different factors. There is going to be a gear component to that as well that needs to be enunciated uh, to where even if you were to train uh, chest the entire time, the likelihood that you're able to uh, create and, and sustain that density of muscle tissue is very, very slim. Mm -hmm. um, so so understanding that component as, as well. Um, and we can dig into some of the common mistakes that that we see within clients uh, see within ourselves you know previously within uh, exercise execution and things of that nature yeah and um, to mention just like the other episodes we were we are going to have a playlist linked in the show notes um, that will have different videos of some of these exercises or showing differentiation between these exercises um, just so definitely check those show notes um, if you're a visual person and just to definitely see what we're talking about I said definitely a few minutes too many times right there. <laughs> um, so with, with chest training and, and the, the common mistakes that we do see is, is oftentimes going to be arm angle is, is the, the largest one where individuals will get into a, a very wide and a deducted uh, position uh, where their, their, their elbow is in like perfect alignment at a 90 degree angle with their shoulder. And they're just kind of um, very, very, uh, I mean, it's just a lot of joint jamming. And, there, and like we talked about, there's not a whole lot of fibers that are necessarily being lined up with the line of, of uh, motion that they are taking. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's one as far as having that way too far out to the side and causing that jamming. And the same thing can even happen with that overhead press that we talked about in the last episode. Um, and then some other uh, mistakes are going to be, um, or I guess I should say, differentiation that I wanted to talk about um, was if we are training with those arms more adducted, so closer to the body, that's where we are going to be getting a little bit more of those clavicular fibers versus having those abducted um, and more away, but they don't need to be at that 90 degree angle. It's something that that can be brought in a little bit. So there's none of that joint jamming. Um, then we do have a video and I just wanted to make the differentiation, especially as we talk about some different exercises. If you adduct too much and it's too close to your body, you might be getting more of that anterior delt. Um, so that is going to be a different differentiation um, in regards to like a clavicular cable fly versus a front delt raise um, in the cables. And the same with um, the pressing of clavicular versus uh, the anterior delt. So there are videos showing the difference of that if they look similar, if you watch them separately. And, and to um, 
touch on Sue's note of elbow angle within that, it is going to depend also on the uh, incline that you are on mm-hmm. and, and per, uh, we're speaking on the pressing motion. So if we're on a cable, of course, it's going to be a little bit different in, in terms of the angle that's being created. Um, with the the tension of the cable but when we're speaking on a dumbbell press or a barbell press um, oftentimes this is like if if we are trying to drag our um, our triceps or our upper arm along our sides and 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 keeping in a very uh, adducted position uh, from the shoulder and we're on a flat bench we're probably still going to be getting a high degree of of uh, sternal fibers just because of the how um the line of pull is, is set up. But if we come to a, a high degree of incline and we're looking at, uh, you know, 50 to 70 degrees of incline, well, we can get a lot of those clavicular fibers and the line of pull and, and gravitational pull to those dumbbells um, to allow for us to recruit the uh, clavicular fibers and, and be at a greater bias there as well. Yes. Very good, better clarification of what I was saying Just there. Touching on it. Um, and um, <laughs> another common mistake would be allowing elevation of the scapular or the scapula um, and allowing that shoulder protraction. So we want to create a stable shoulder girdle by stabilizing the scapula with your mid and lower traps, but we don't want to lock down or restrict it. So there's a difference between stabilizing it and completely locking it out as we go through it. So we want to make sure that we have scapular movement. Um, It's not just completely locked down. I'm keeping that in place, but more so again, when we're talking about those antagonist uh, muscles of, Hey, if I am training my chest, I need to have stabilization in my upper back, which is going to kind of include that scapula and that shoulder girdle. So really making sure that you are allowing your shoulder to move um, instead of having your scapula kind of be in a wonky spot there by trying to lock it down. Yeah. And I think that the, the next thing would be pertaining to barbell pressing. So for some individuals, um, depending on their limb lengths and, and how long, uh, their, their torso is and, and these different components, sometimes the barbell press in a, in a flat or, uh, inclined plane is going to work for them. They, they've got like the, the perfect dimensions for it. You see some individuals, I think that, uh, Russ Swole is, is someone who is, is a really good example of this where, uh, his, his arms are a little bit shorter and it just fits nicely for him to be really nicely lined up with those costal and some of those lower sternal, uh, fibers. And he, his bench press is phenomenal. His chest is massive. Um, within those. And, and for an individual that is six foot tall, like myself with longer arms, that's just not going to apply in the same fashion. It's not going to, to feel as, as natural potentially. Um, and, and oftentimes what people run into is that the lack of alignment within the, the wrist and the elbow and the shoulder joint in terms of the, the wrist is, is contorted in a way that it is in a stress position. And then that puts stress on the elbow, thus potentially uh, the trickle down effect of putting greater strain on the shoulder joint. Um, as a whole. So within barbell pressing, I'm not saying that it's the the worst thing ever, but it does work better for some individuals depending on their their biomechanics and, and things of that nature. Um, so not being totally married to like, well, it's it's chest day, I've got a barbell bench <laughs> press is, is not the way of going about it. Dumbbells are going to be a better option. And I know that that can be a limiting factor in the sense of, well, I, I'm too jacked for the dumbbells that my gym has. I, you know, I have <laughs> Alex I, runs into this. 
Yes, my my gym owner, aka myself, is <laughs> really holding out on me and getting heavier dumbbells. Um, but within that, I know that that can be a limiting factor. Um, but from a, a pressing perspective, you're going to get greater strides from a aesthetic and, and muscle density perspective by utilizing the dumbbells in in my opinion and within my practice or our practice specifically. Yeah, and Russell also has a, a like his rib cage is built different as well. And it really benefits him in that regard. He was really built for powerlifting. When people say that, that's what they're talking about as far as the levers for someone and how that works. Um, and it's something that we've talked about that not everyone is built necessarily to barbell back squat. Um, and that depends on how your body anthropometrics are as a whole. Um, so uh, another mistake that we have there is uh, not taking control of where the tension's going. Um, so so within this, you can go through the movement of any exercise and not actually get the best bang for your buck. But we really want to think about the where the tension is going and what that looks like, um, just because it's something that your resistance angle in relation to the sternal angle determines the fibers recruited. So we want to be aware of that. And we want to make sure we know where that tension is going. So we want to think about bringing your upper arm, which is where the pec inserts, um, to the fiber that you are focusing on. Um, and we don't want to think about bringing dumbbells together. I see that a lot with chest training and delt training is just bringing dumbbells to touch at the top of the movement. Um, and we don't always want, or we really don't want to think about that um, at all. With chest training specifically, we want to think about getting our biceps. Um, so driving your bicep um, to that, that fiber or driving your biceps together if you're using both arms going through it um, and being able to think about that. And on the eccentric, so um, as you are lowering the weight, so to speak. Um, think about driving your elbows or your arm away from the origin of the fibers you want to load. Um, so really being able to think about where that tension is. And I guess this mistake could also be labeled just um, limited knowledge of human anatomy. Um, and this is something we've kind of hammered through. I think I've been the one that's brought it up each time in each episode. But the more that you learn, and you don't need to learn, okay, like Alex said at the beginning, oh, this attaches at this point, you don't need to learn every one of those for every muscle group. It's just generally what direction fibers are going in and how I need to train those um, as a whole. Right. And this will be the last mistake because I feel like we're just harping on a, a lot of different things that people do within their chest training. Um, but not every machine is, is made for you. So when you're you know browsing around your gym trying to find a chest press piece uh, of sorts, I think that hammer strength is, is an easy one to kind of uh, pick on here where within hammer strength pieces, these are made for very large individuals. I mean, they're they are built for people who are six foot six plus foot tall. Um, and so oftentimes, especially like a, a piece that we more commonly see within our, our female athletes is like the 45 degree hip extension. Their hip extension is, is truly made for someone who's about six, two or six, three. Like I, I struggle being at six foot to even, even fit into that machine specifically. So when you are performing chest training, don't feel as though it's like, well, this piece is, is training chest, but I'm not really feeling it. You very well may be right because of, of how it is built. It may just not fit with your specific structure. You may have to adjust the seat. You may have to, um, you know, get a little creative and that's going to like the 
understanding the functionality, understanding the the insertion and the origin, those different components are going to help you kind of navigate through that and have a better understanding of, okay, this doesn't fit, but I can kind of move this around to, okay, now this feels better. I'm getting better tension through my pec. I'm not displacing this onto the joint or onto, you know, different muscle groups. Um, and so understand that you, you're not broken. Oftentimes the machine is the, the issue rather than, than you specifically. Yeah. Um, and I know you said we're not talking mistakes, so this is not a mistake, but more so a question. Is it okay to arch your back while you're training chest? Uh, to, to, a, to a degree, yes. I think that there's always uh, extremes to this to where you're, you're contorting your body in a fashion that's not necessary or, or could put you at a potential risk. But having a, a slight arch in your back is going to be... Uh, honestly necessary it would be very difficult to sit completely um flat backed on on the bench to have any kind of stability or what have you yeah so it's going to go with stability at the shoulder joint of making sure that ball's in the socket basically and especially when you see with power lifting of these crazy arches it's also something where that's less distance that the bar has to travel as they're benching um, which also plays into it but really make sure you keep your butt down if you do have any arch to your back right you're, you're watching a competitive sport and they're trying to win a competition thus they're going to do uh, different factors for them to win the the competition that may not be you know, suited for the, the lifestyle individual who's just trying to increase their bench press from 135 pounds to 155 pounds. <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and talk about our favorite exercises. Um, I will go ahead and say just off the bat, one of my favorite exercises to train chest is the clavicular press. I really, really enjoy it. Plus, it's been something I've needed to grow. So it helps that I also enjoy that. Um, it's just a, a movement that I feel like was a missing piece within my training before I learned about it, which definitely was now as you guys are learning about it. Um, and it's just been something that's been really fun to hone in on what it feels like to train those fibers um, and to be able to get after it. Um, so it's definitely one of my favorite exercises. Uh, do you want me to talk about the setup with that? Uh, if you if you would like, I don't know if we want to go through this, like you guys can watch the videos. I, I think that that's a much better option for you guys in this setting where we have every single one of these exercises that we're about to talk on, I think, on mm -hmm. the YouTube, um, where it's going to be the, the clavicular press. There's a video of, of Sue um, going over the video. Uh, I am your incredible model in that uh, executing that vi uh, that exercise specifically. Normally, I am the one speaking and, and Sue is the, the beautiful model, but <laughs> you get my beautiful face this time um, for that specific video. I would say in terms of my personal favorite, if we're going to alternate on these favorites, um, my personal favorite is going to be a uh, slight degree of incline. So like a, a 15 to 30 degree incline uh, dumbbell press to where I can bias it personally within my um, biomechanics personally is that I can bias a greater degree of those sternal fibers. It feels a lot better to me. I think I get a little, I get a pinch of, of some clavicular fibers in there. So in terms of total poundage that I can lift, that's going to be one of the stronger positions that I personally can be in. Um, hey, if you're trying to flex on your poundage, go ahead and say it. <laughs> go ahead. <No. laughs> um, anyway, um, so that's my my favorite. I, I think that I have the best overall recruitment of my chest and I get the most bang for my buck in that movement specifically. Yeah. 
I know I said uh, the dumbbell clavicular press, which you could definitely say would be, you know, dumbbells, but I have been having it in my programming of having more of the multi-grip bar, which is definitely a favorite of mine. If you do have that at your gym, um, it's a really, really fun bar to use. Yeah. And if you guys have the multi-grip bar at your gym, um, I'm hopeful that you have one that has the same grip just in multiple different places because that allows for the most individuals to necessarily use it. Unfortunately, there are um, multi-grip bars that are like a perfect, like a, a straight handle. There's like two on each side and then they have one 45 degree handle and then there's like maybe one or two more on the outside. And it's like, well, hey man, um, I want to use the 45 degree angle, but uh, I can't you know, that's too wide for me or that's too narrow for me or what have you. And so if, if your gym is looking for one, the elite FTS one is, is decent. I don't love that. It is, there's no knurling on the handle. So as you start to sweat, it sucks. Um, <laughs> but that would be an option for you that you have multiple different handles because like, for example, Sue and I both can perform that multi-grip, uh, incline press and, and hit those clavicular fibers, but we're going to use different handles, but I still want us to both have the 45 degree handle itself. Yeah. Um, and then I guess we'll just go through some other exercises. Since you've heard our favorites, um, there is going to be uh, three different flies for both our not there's three flies. There's going to be one for sternal, costal, and clavicular that you can do on the cables. You can also do the sternal fly on a pec deck machine or with dumbbells to be able to have that in place. Um, and then for the pressing movements. Yeah. And, and you have uh, the ability like for the dumbbell flat press. So d depending on your positioning and how you set up your, um, uh, your body positioning within that, you're going to get sternal fibers as we, we talked about a little bit, but also you're going to recruit some of those costal or, or lower pec fibers. If you go into a slight degree of incline, you're going to have the greater propensity to recruit some of those costal fibers specifically. So if you're feeling as though it's like, man, I'm getting a lot of sternal, I'm not feeling a ton of these costal fibers, throw a, a 45 pound bumper plate under the, um, the bottom portion of that bench. Um, and then that will give you a slight degree of incline, maybe about 15 degrees, which could put you in better alignment to recruit some of those costal fibers as you're, you're trying to hit them. If that's, you know, your, your intent. Mm -hmm. Um, so then with pressing there is, you can do dumbbell or barbell with being able to have that costal, um, sternal and clavicular as well. Right. And, and you can also have, have some cable presses. I don't think that we have the, the cable presses on our, YouTube at the moment. I know that that N One Education has uh, potentially some on their uh, different Instagram pages, like Casim's page and N One Education. Potentially, I'm not sure, but you will you will have some pressing variations that you can maneuver on the, the cables themselves. Um, in terms of like, do you have any favorite m machine presses? I don't know. We haven't. We, for anyone listening that doesn't know, we train at home and we have a home gym um, and we have a lot of great pieces, but we don't really have a bunch of chest pieces. Um, we do have the multi-grip bar, but we don't have any machines for chest. I'm trying to remember machines I liked back when we went to a gym. Back in the day. Back in the Dizzy. <laughs> AKA a year ago. <laughs> um, one for me is that there are there is a flat uh, Nautilus plate loaded press, which I really like. And so there is a, a neutral hand placement and also a, um, unfortunately, like a, a, a perfect like 90 degree handle. I wish that they had a 45 to that. That would have been like the 
man, that would have been icing on the cake. Yeah, that would have made it the perfect piece. <laughs> um, but I know that that Prime is is working on a, a new one, which is going to be a piece of art. Um, but that's the yeah. the one off the top of my head that and I can Prime think of. does have that slight incline um, flat. Uh, or the yeah, plate the, loaded. the plate loaded. Yeah, and then I really, I just remembered it—the machine at Powerhouse that we used to do chest on the, the hammer. That strength was yeah. Trying, I yeah. was trying to think of if it was hammer strength or not. Um, I liked that one a lot. Yeah, setting that one up properly. If you can get your your arm angle into the best spot, like you can get a lot of really good recruitment from like an upper sternal to clavicular. Yeah, portion. but it's funny because we are talking about um, different equipment that we would want, and not a lot of chest equipment has come up. Yeah. And I think that a big portion of that is because the angles are so specific for each person that a lot of machines, like Alex said, it might not fit you. They don't fit in general uh, because the people making the machine outside of Prime and some other um, brands aren't necessarily thinking about the biomechanics of the muscle and how that fits each individual. They're, they're making machines. Um, and so it's something that uh, a lot of them don't line up and that's yeah. why we don't end up using them. And, and one movement that we just completely skipped over was dips. Uh, oh, yes. I, yeah, I, I, I love I love dips. I he think does. that it's more of like a, a barbaric kind of like you versus the weight movement more than any of the other ones for some reason. Um, and so I really enjoy that movement specifically. Yeah. And it's one like um, pull-ups where like I feel like a lot of people when they get in their fitness journey, you have the goal of like a pull-up or a push-up. And I feel like dips fall into that as well. Yeah, I could agree. Um, and I know it makes me feel like a badass when I start to add weight. And I'm just like, look at me, Alex. I'm doing it. I always have to like shout myself out when I do that because <laughs> I do feel awesome. Um, well, do you want to go over some last uh, execution cues or go ahead and just wrap it up because those are all in the videos? Those are in the videos. I mean, we can we can quickly touch Reiterate. on this. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Um, so uh, some cues are just going to be uh, being able to set up your body position as we've talked about. So that's not going to be a specific cue for you, but really learning about what that looks like for the division that you're trying to train as you go through it. So the way that you set that up is going to be very, very important. Sue wants to alternate these. Okay. Um, also think about driving the arm across your body. So as we spoke about driving the, the bicep, um, into one another or driving the bicep into the, the side of your chest specifically. Yeah. Um, another thing is if you're pressing, you are doing a combination or an integration of pressing up and in. Um, your triceps are going to be used to a certain degree. So if you do a different split and you might be like, why are chest and triceps always together? Um, they are going to be helping in different movements. So you are getting that extra volume in place. Um, but it's something that you're also thinking about pressing towards that sternum, towards that midline as you're going through these movements. So it is going to be a little bit of up and in yeah and, and and a little golden nugget here of, of knowledge is that when you're programming if you're programming for yourself or programming for clients keep that uh, understanding of that if, if you're pressing earlier in the session for whether it be a shoulder press or it be a, a chest press that is going to affect your overall tricep volume so you're going to have a a small portion if you're tracking sets i would say maybe like a, a fourth or a half of a set being tracked uh to your to your overall volume um just understanding that you are going to have some uh accessory volume to the triceps when programming uh, 
And I guess the the last cue that we will will give to you is that uh, we want to, and I think Sue already touched on this, is that we want to keep tension in the upper back. We're not wanting to be extremely rigid and and, and have this hard retraction. We want to still be able to allow the the scapula to to do its thing and, and for the integrative health of the the upper upper body to to work together in conjunction because hey if i'm trying to hit a, a pr on a a dumbbell press or something of that nature i'm wanting everybody to come to the party i'm not just wanting my pec to 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 show up and be like hey i can handle this all myself i'm like no no no. i want the whole gang here so that <laughs> i can add you know 10 pound dumbbell or you know 10 pounds to this press or what have you um so i'm wanting everybody to to interact uh accordingly so allow for the the scapula to move properly and to to have proper function yeah, I just thought of two more things I wanted to mention, um, or I'll ask Alex as a question. If I am spotting someone who is doing a, a chest press of some sort, do I spot them at their elbows or at their wrists? From a textbook answer, you are going to receive wrist. Um, now, there are some very large individuals who... Um, the dumbbells truly are so large that it would be very difficult to grip their wrist. And in that in that avenue, it's still not going to be the best to spot at the elbow, but I get where they're coming from in terms of, of comfort within the spotting. When we're looking at just in the, the safest form of this, it is going to be um, spotting on the wrist and supporting. Now, when you are spotting, and we have a video on this, uh, I think we should re-record it because I just mm-hmm. don't like how I did it. Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I, it's it's good if you know what you're looking at, but also if you don't know what you're looking at, which is going to be majority of the people, um, they're going to be like, I don't really see it. So what the, the goal within spotting, especially from a physique enhancement perspective, we're not talking about powerlifting. Um, we're wanting to maintain the pace in which the lifter is is creating. So be when you, you are spotting be a very active spotter and seeing that this is the the pace in which this individual is lifting this load and soon as that pace starts to slow at that point you're just implementing just enough force to allow for them to sustain the pace that they had already uh, created Um, not you're not stepping in as soon as they fail and being like okay i'm picking you up here it's like well that just you just remove the tension from the individual who's training and you just lifted it yourself that's very frustrating as the lifter especially if you're getting into the depths of a a pr or something of that nature to have some shit spotter come in um and this is one of my biggest pet peeves if you can't tell i'm getting (laughs) painfully passionate um for them to step in at that point and just rob you of that. You just needed that little bit of force being applied and they just rob it from you. And so when you're spotting, be very cognizant of that, that you're just trying to apply enough force to their wrist to allow for them to complete the repetition and to have enough support to, to continue to hold those dumbbells and, and those different factors. Yeah. And that, I learned that early on in our relationship, that that was something he was very passionate about because I would get scared because with Alex, he has it until he doesn't. Like he'll literally be repping things out and then he'll fail out of nowhere. Like for me, it's like rep, rep, struggle, struggle, fail. There's no struggle. It's just rep or not. And so I would get scared and I would just like pick up the weight and he'd be like, why'd you do that? And I would be like, I just thought that's what I needed to do. So learn from my mistakes um, and from Alex's passion in that. Um, And the other thing that I was thinking about within that um, is a twofer. One is going to be within chest training and adult training as well. You can really drive through your feet to be able to give you more power as you go through those movements, even if like with seated movements of a a press. Um, But if you're holding dumbbells and you're trying to lower or um, 
push up the weight sometimes. And this even happened yesterday where I could definitely lift the weight, but I needed help getting it up. Don't be afraid to tell someone as a spot like, hey, I need help getting this up. But if you could stand there, ask what you need out of that person. But another tip with that of getting the weight up is being able to use your knees to help you where you can hold the dumbbells on your knees and kick that weight up to have some power with getting that movement up. So I get asked that um, as well as like how to fail with dumbbells. Um, And the best thing that you can do is bringing them close to your body and either sitting up or then lowering them from there, but not trying to like drop them when they're away from your body. Yeah. And and on that, in terms of gym etiquette, I'm going to add to this as I am someone who has wanted to own my own training facility from a a very young age. So I've I've been very understanding of the prices of of different pieces of equipment and dumbbells and those different things. If you are going to you know, treat the equipment, the the dumbbells and things like that poorly and just like launch them from your shoulder or what have you. I think that you should, uh, one, understand how much that, uh, those dumbbells cost specifically. And if you do damage them in any form or fashion that you would be liable or responsible for them. And if, if you are good, like I, I, I know for myself that when I have, um, been a little bit more uh, brutal with equipment, when I'm at a public gym, I have, I have come to the place of like, if I was to break this dumbbell, I am okay with replacing it. I will pay the money myself to replace that dumbbell. Thus, I think that that would be just general gym etiquette where you're paying maybe $75 a month or something, 20 to $75 a month to have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment available to you. Um, if you were to break a, a dumbbell that's, let's say, um, you know, 500 bucks or something of that nature, that's on you, buddy. Like if you break it, <laughs> that's you. Like I think that you should certainly have to pay that and, and understanding that. So understanding how to to get the dumbbells up, how to put them down gently and, and not heave hoeing it like you are Billy Badass there is, is going to be a, a very vital piece to just being a good human being, in my opinion. <laughs> and that goes for all gym equipment of treating it nicely, yes. especially if you're at a commercial gym and there's lots of people using the equipment. It's very easy to kind of play like uh, it's not really going to matter what I do because so many other people utilize it, but um, it does matter and yeah. it is expensive. Yeah, and, and a lot of these gyms that you guys go to, we're going off on such a side <laughs> A lot of these gyms that you guys go to, gyms are not money makers. Uh, individuals yeah. do not make. Can I repeat that again? <laughs> there, there's there's very little money to be made. Now, you look at individuals like these uh, Globo gyms like Lifetime or mm-hmm. 24-Hour Fitness and things of that nature. It's a little bit different on that front where that's a you know a franchise and those different things. But if you're going to like a, uh, like a mom and pop, like a truly a local gym, the, the likelihood that they're bringing home much money from that business endeavor is very slim. And for you to to break equipment that they've invested thousands of dollars in. Um, Hundreds of thousands. Yeah. And, and for, for that to not be taken care of is is very disrespectful, one. And then two, to, to like just like shrug it off and, and not be helpful in any way. Even if you don't have the specific money that it is to replace it, like offer what you can in that scenario to just be a good human. And that's my... That's my last note. And that's the tangent for today. <laughs> so um, like I said, check the show notes for the um, playlist so that you can visually see all the exercises, get all of the cues, um, be able to see Alex as your wonderful model, myself as your wonderful model. I mean, we're, we're just on it. Yeah. Um, and uh, be able to check out the other episodes we've done in the muscle group series. And we will continue with this until we are done. But thank you guys for joining again. And we'll catch you next time. See you guys. Hey guys, Austin here. Thank you again for listening into the episode. It means a lot. If you can, 
please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave the podcast a five-star review. This does help us grow and be found by others. Also, just wanted to mention, if you guys are interested in free education based around training and nutrition, be sure to check out physiquedevelopment.com backslash free education, where you will find free downloads, videos, articles, etc. No strings attached. Again, thank you. Chat soon.